Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are about to shape and mold us by your word. An amazing gift, this shaping and molding. And Father, as we reflect on what a gift it is to us, we look out into this world and we pray for your shaping and molding of this world. Father, we pray for your good gifts to flow to this world. Father, we pray for the people of Australia this morning who are undergoing so much heartache through fires. Father, send your rain. Put out the fires. Father, we pray for the people of Jakarta, Indonesia today who have more rain than they know what to do with and are being flooded. Father, send your rescue through the hands and feet of your people, through the hands and feet of those who care. And Father, we pray that you will shape and mold us as a nation as we face days ahead that are unsure. Shape and mold us, Father, so that we are people who reflect your heart and your desire. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And we pray that as we speak words today, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Stories. So, pillar is a place where your name is known and your story can be heard. So, a little bit about my story this morning. When I was in high school, I was on the debate team. For any of you who know how debate works, you get a very short period of time to say a whole lot of stuff. And I learned how to talk really fast. And that habit has never gone away. Just want to warn you up front, all right? So, stories. Stories are so huge. Stories form and shape communities. Through stories, communities know who they are, what they're supposed to do, what their values are. And we all live by probably several different stories in our lives, but the reality is there's always like one big overarching story that we say, that is the one true story of the whole world. We know it's true. We know we live by these stories. We can look around and we can see it with people who live by the story of consumerism. So they say, you know, my story is I am what I have, the experiences I have, the things that I buy. In this kind of story, you don't so much volunteer for an organization to show you support them, you just buy their swag. And this story also has its own high holy days called Black Thursday. Cyber Monday, and now Prime Day. All these stories. Story of individualism. Story of individualism, which basically says this, you are not the boss of me. And all of us who have two-year-olds know exactly what that's all about. And individualism, when it gets unhealthy, basically says, no one can tell me what to do, not even God himself. I will do what I want to do, what I think is best. Stories. Stories shape and mold and form us. Stories shape and mold and form communities, tell us what's important to us, what our values are, the things we should be going after together. So from Christmastide to Eastertide here at Pillar, we're going to be looking at the story that shapes and molds and forms us. The story that comes from the Gospel of Mark. Last week, Ryan got us started with that as he asked some questions about what we see before us, 
and what we should do about it. And today we want to continue with that story from the Gospel of Mark. So God is in the house this morning. Listen to the words he's speaking to you. The words of our story from Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and 21 through 45. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Simon, Andrew, James and John, and Jesus came to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as one of the teachers of the law. Suddenly, a man who was possessed by an evil spirit, an impure spirit, in the synagogue, shouted out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Jesus rebuked him sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were amazed by what they saw and they asked one another, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? Even the impure spirits obey his commands. News about him spread throughout all the region of Galilee. They left the synagogue, and with James and John, they went to the house of Simon and Andrew. There they found Simon's mother-in-law with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus. Jesus went to her, took her hand, helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That night after sunset, they brought all kinds of people with all kinds of illnesses and those possessed by demons. The whole town stood at the door, and Jesus healed people of all kinds of illnesses, and he cast out demons, but he did not let them speak because they knew who he was. The next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus left the house and went to a solitary place to pray. Simon and the others found him and exclaimed, Everybody's looking for you. Jesus said, We need to go elsewhere, to the other villages in Galilee, that I may preach there, because that is why I have come. He went throughout the entire region of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came to Jesus, and, and down on his knees begged Jesus and said, I know you are able. If you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out and touched the man and said, I want to be clean. Immediately the man was cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus said to him sternly, now don't go telling everybody about this. Instead, go to the priests and make the sacrifice Moses commanded you to make for one who is cleansed as a sign to the priests. But the man went out and told everybody so that Jesus was no longer able to enter the towns openly, 
but had to go out to lonely places. But still the people came from everywhere to be with him. This is the word of the Lord. Stories. The story that shapes us. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The story that shapes us, that tells us what's important to us, that tells us the core of our being, that tells us who we are as a community. This is the big story. The one true story of the whole world that changes us and reshapes us and remolds us as a community. This is the story that holds all other stories to account in the world. So let's unwrap the story a little bit. Step into, if you will, a day in the life of Jesus in a way that shapes our lives for all of our days. Come with me to the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus walks into the synagogue in Capernaum, and as soon as he does, he's declared that something has changed. In earlier in Mark, we find that John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, separated from the people. Jesus, though, walks into the synagogue, into the place of power, politics, religion, All of these things are combined. This is the place where the Pharisees rule. This is their seat of power. Jesus says, I am the one who steps into these places to speak my Father's will, to teach the ways of my Father. And later on, he'll do the same thing when he goes into the temple, which is the power place of the Sadducees. Jesus says, I'm not going to stay outside. I'm going to be the one who comes into these places. I'm going to be the one who teaches the will of my Father in those places and calls people to follow the will of my Father. You know, it's always been like that. Sometimes people look at the land of Israel and they say, wow, God just stuck those people away in a backwater space, far away from everybody, but nothing could be further from the truth. What God actually did was he put the people of Israel at the crossroads Major trade routes run through the land of Israel. When kings wanted to invade each other, they always had to go through the land of Israel. They are at the crossroads of all civilization. And God said, I'm putting you here because I want you to be a picture of what it looks like to be a people who follow me. I want you to give the world a foretaste of what it is that I do in this world. And I want you to be my ambassadors in this world. Israel fails miserably. But Jesus the Messiah comes. And he does what Israel failed to do. He becomes the one who shows people what it is like to follow the Father, to be the one who does the Father's will. He is the one who steps into these places of power rather than being in the outskirts because he says, if this is going to work, I've got to be at the very crossroads of the world. You see, this is the story that shapes us. A story not of living at the edges, not of being a community that is isolated and insulated from the world, but a story of a people who live at the center of things. As John often says as we walk out of here on Sunday mornings, you are about to enter every sphere of public life. 
That's the story that we live. We enter every sphere of public life. So Jesus walks into the synagogue, and then he begins to teach in that synagogue, and the people are amazed because he teaches as one who has authority, not as the teachers of the law. You see, the teachers of the law would say, well, you know, this person says this, and this person says this, and let me interpret that for you. But when Jesus comes and speaks with authority, he comes and teaches something new. He teaches in a new way. We get that especially from Matthew chapter 5 through 7, that Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. And then he teaches us a new way of understanding the Ten Commandments, a new way of understanding sexual purity, a new way of understanding greed, a new way of understanding how we're supposed to love our enemies. We learn all of these new ways, and Jesus says, this is what I want you to understand. This is how you live in the kingdom of God. And he teaches with authority. This is the story that shapes us. A story not about living at the edges, but about living in the center, not isolated and insulated, but in the middle of things. A story where we have a Messiah who teaches with authority, which means he's the smartest, wisest one who's ever lived. And smart and wise people not only hear what he has to say, smart and wise people live what he has to say. So all this is going on, and just at that moment, there's this ruckus. It's a man with an impure spirit. And he's crying out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Destroy. Wipe us out, crush us, get rid of us. And Jesus' answer is, yes. But he doesn't give his answer by speaking it. He gives his answer by showing it. He tosses the demon out. Jesus says, I have come to destroy the devil in all of his work. I've come to destroy the devil in all of his work, not because I'm touchy, because people don't pay enough attention to me, or because I want to show how much power I've got. He says, I've come to destroy the devil in all of his work because when the devil and his minions get going, they mess up people's lives. They mess up nations. They mess up governments. When the devil and his minions get going, they just mess everything up and keep people from being what they're supposed to be keep people from flourishing. But even more, they keep people from having what they need the most, what they want the most, whether they know it or not, a relationship with the Father and living for His glory. As one theologian has said, this moment disclosed that God in Jesus has brought liberation to the poor and the wretched of the land. That liberation is none other than the overthrow of everything that is against the fulfillment of their humanity. This is the story that shapes us. A story not in the edges, not in isolation or insulation, but in the very center of things. A story of one who teaches, a Messiah who teaches with authority. The story of when he's asked, so have you come to wipe us out? Have you come to destroy us? He says, yeah, absolutely. And then they leave, and they go to Simon's house. 
And Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. And they tell him about it. And he goes over to her. He takes her by the hand, helps her up. And the fever leaves her and she begins to wait on them. So let me be honest here. I always found this like a really strange story. It's kind of like, so you're casting out demons, you're doing, you know, all this, and you take care of a fever. Meh. But remember, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so what happens at the very beginning of the good news is this. Jesus heals a woman. One who is considered lesser than in her society. So much so that rabbis would often pray, Father, I thank you I was not born a woman. And Jesus, right at the beginning of his ministry, says, My kingdom is for women as well as for men. My kingdom is for those who others would put down and keep down. And then she gets up and she begins to wait on them. And again, I've always kind of wondered about that. You know what? If my mother-in-law was sick and she finally got over the fever, I don't think I'd say to her, so now would you, like, would you bring me some root beer? I wouldn't do that. I'd probably say, how can I serve you? But there's something really cool here. And that is, there are only, there's only one group and two people that are talked about in the same way. That, this word is diakoneo, which if you listen a little bit, you can kind of hear deacon. It means to serve, to attend to, to wait on. And there's only one group and two people in the Gospel of Mark that this is used for. So we've already heard about one of the groups, or the group, and that was last week when Ryan was preaching, and we heard about the angels. And so we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, And Jesus was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild, angels, wild animals, and the angels attended him. And then the second person spoken of is going to be Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And here's the third in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Simon's mother-in-law, who is often seen as less than, is declared by Jesus to be part of the kingdom of God, deserving of all of the gifts of the kingdom of God. See, this is the story we live in. It's the story not at the edges, not in isolation and insulation, but at the center. It is the story of a Messiah who speaks with authority. It's the story of a Messiah who when Satan says to him, so are you here to destroy me? He says, yeah, absolutely. It's the story of those who are lesser than being raised up and even being said of them that they serve even as Jesus and the angels serve. So there's so much more to the story. There is healing of all kinds of people, Jesus praying in the wilderness. But this morning, just one more, just one more. A leper comes to Jesus and says to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus' response to those words, if you are willing, you can make me clean, again, are just kind of a, an odd surprise. He, it tells us Jesus was indignant. Well, why would Jesus be indignant? Because a leper wants to be healed. But we get a hint of the reason he's indignant by another part of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on him. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus is indignant whenever somebody is kept out of the kingdom who should be welcomed in, whether it's children or lepers. Whether whenever somebody who should be welcomed into the kingdom is kept out of the kingdom. Now, some of you know, in the Old Testament, we have these pictures and these laws about lepers that when they walk around, they're supposed to, you know, cry out, unclean, unclean, and they're supposed to separate themselves. But here's my take. I think Jesus is looking back further than that further than the laws of the Old Testament. And he's looking all the way back to the fallenness of human beings and saying, listen, the brokenness of human beings has brought illness. The brokenness of human beings has brought illness and separation. And it breaks my heart that all of this sin has kept people from being welcomed in who should be welcomed into my kingdom. I love how one commentator speaks of it. When Jesus touches the leper... He interrupts the entire social and religious order. In healing the leper, Jesus not only restores him to physical health, but restores this unclean, shamed outsider to community and social standing. When Jesus touches the leper, he challenges a system of exclusion that created a living death for countless people, not just lepers, by isolating them from the community. This is the story that shapes us. A story not at the edges, a story of a Messiah who teaches with authority. A story of a Messiah who's, when he's asked, are you here to destroy us? He says, absolutely. The story of one who picks up those who are considered lesser than and said, you are part of my kingdom. A story of welcoming home those who have been excluded. Of breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. This is the story that shapes us. This is the story that we are to be a picture, foretaste, and ambassador of. As a community, we are to be a picture of the story that when people look at Pillar Church, they hear, they see this story, that we are living out this story together. We are a picture of the story. But we're also a foretaste of the story. That when people come into contact with us, when people come into contact with Christians throughout the world, they say, what does it taste like to connect with a person who follows Jesus? What does it taste like to connect with a community that follows Jesus? And they say, you know what it tastes like? The lesser people are lifted up. Those who weren't welcomed are welcomed home. They destroy the works of the devil. They listen to Jesus. And they refuse to insulate and isolate themselves. That's what we taste. We are to be a picture, a foretaste, an ambassador. Ambassador of the story. We tell the story to others. And we invite them in to become part of the story. 
Invite them in by calling them to own Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their Lord, as the one who has rescued them from sin through his death on the cross, forgiven their sins, and brought them into relationship with the Father. This is the story that shapes us. We are about to enter every sphere of public life. As we enter every sphere of public life, how will we as individuals, how will we as a community be the community that gives this world a picture foretaste? And how will we be ambassadors of the story? You know, one of the great things about God is when he calls us to these things, when he says, this is the kind of community you're supposed to be, he doesn't then just say, good luck. He says, no, let me give you strength for the journey. And one of the most powerful ways he gives us strength for the journey is in the supper, in the bread and the cup. It is that moment in which we are able to say, as we face what we're called to do, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. For to you in this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he gives himself to us in this so that we can walk out and say, fear not. You see, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he broke it, he said to his disciples, eat this in remembrance of me. And remember that your sins are forgiven. And after the supper, in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Remember me as often as you drink it. 